This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here in Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. Now, there's one thing you know for sure is that you got free will. You can make a choice. You know, now, we're not going to get all philosophical if it's like actually free will or it's maybe just an illusion of free will, but you know, you know, right now, you raise your hand, put it down, get up, get down. You can do whatever you want. And you've got that free will. So what we're going to do is just five steps. Five steps. I almost said simple. I don't think one of them is simple. But five steps in mastering free will. Mastering free will. And I dedicate this class to Rabbi Noah Weinberg, who passed away last week. This is a class that he used to give over, but uh, I developed it. Um, to become super Kabbalistic, fragic, So, mastering free will has five steps. We're going to memorize all five steps now. So, the five steps are as follows. Constant reevaluation, battleground, Soul, God. Okay? Here we go. We're going to say this eight times. Four looking at it, four not looking at it. You ready? Constant reevaluation, battleground, soul, God. Again, everybody. Constant reevaluation, battleground, soul, God. Move those lips. Constant reevaluation, battleground, soul, God. You're not moving. Oh, is that the ventriloquist guy? Constant reevaluation. Did I speak to you about the guy? Constant reevaluation, battleground, soul, God. Okay, by heart. Don't look. Constant reevaluation, battleground, soul, God. Constant reevaluation, battleground, soul, God. Constant reevaluation, battleground, soul, God. One more. Constant reevaluation, battleground, soul, God. So if you want to master free will, these are the five steps you got to have. And it's really important you have them because, I mean, there's not much we know about creation. Not much we know about our lives. Not much we know. But one thing we do know is we got choice. Well, what if you could optimize that, cho- your choosing? What if you could op- optimize your, your, you know, that whole ability of free will? You'd want to optimize it. And by the way, the first four steps, maybe leave out the God part, but the first four steps are excellent advice just to make a bunch of money in business. The first four steps. Constant. Reevaluation, battleground, soul, God, and the uh, so it, it's just excellent tools. So let's start with constant. Constant means that that oh that's so funny. We just got through talking about this. Is that um, in the previous class that failed? Is that God's constantly creating creation from nothing to something? Everything's coming from nothing to something. That means the whole world's coming into existence from absolute nothingness. It's brand new all the time. There's only now. And, and if I have myself tuned in to be a constant chooser, so then, meaning constantly choosing in, in my life, maybe it's better I explain it like this. Did any of you choose 
to be in the Essentials program. Did any of you choose to be in my class or were you just in the Essentials, Essentials program? Raise your hand if you were just in the Essentials program and I just showed up. No one? So this dude over here. This dude. Okay, so it doesn't feel so great. What am I, just on a schedule? Okay. What's your name, by the way? I'm Brian. Hi, Brian. Welcome. Where are, you, where are you from? From New York. I just moved here on Tuesday. Oh, Mazel Tov. And actually, on Tuesday, I, I said to my fiance, I said, this is the first time that I feel like I have free will, that I've made a decision very different from a path that was... Not your uh, choice. Good for you. Wow. That's it. We're clapping. Okay, (laughs) felt like she was going to start clapping. So, anyway, um, so what's happening? Let's let's put it like this: Did you choose to come to Jerusalem today, or did you wake up here? So you probably woke up here, which doesn't put you in this state of constant choosing because you're already here. I mean, you woke up here, so how do you choose to be here? So everyone, close their eyes a moment. Don't worry, minor clothes. Close your eyes. Okay, someone's looking at me. Please stop. I said, close your eyes. Someone's having trust issues. So you can feel when someone looks at you. Anyway, listen, keep your eyes closed. And imagine you're wherever you're from originally, from outside of Israel. And if you're watching this on video, you're whatever, you're, you're, you're somewhere else. And someone walks up to you and says, if you eat the red pill, You'll be in Jerusalem at Rabbi Yom Tov's class, overlooking the Western Wall. If you eat the blue pill, you're going to stay right here in your hometown. Okay, now reach out, take the red pill, and pop the red pill. And now on three, open up your eyes. One, two, three. Beam me up, Scotty. Instantly transported into the constant choice of being here. How many of you chose your seat or that was just the seat available? Choose that seat. Choose it. Wherever you're at in the room, say, this is my vantage point in this room. And I'm choosing this thing. How about the person next to you? Or in front of you or behind you? Like, did you, did you like make any plans to be sitting next to this individual? And some of you, just from the look on your face, the answer is no. And, and so just take a moment, whoever you're sitting next to, even if you chose to be with them, but whoever you're sitting next to, everyone now, look at the person you're sitting next to. Just look at them. Look at them and just say, I choose you. I wish there was a camera on you guys. You guys are so cute. So, anyway, anyway, but you can really choose what is powerfully and and get yourself really up to date, like into real time of life and, and use that thing that chooses to embrace what is, because what is, is exactly what is, as the, the famous uh, Eastern way of saying it is, have you guys noticed this room is exactly the way it is? And it's exactly not exactly the way it's not. 
Meaning the temperature of the room is exactly what the temperature of the room is. And it's exactly to the, to the degree, like literally decimals of degrees. It's n exactly not what it's not. And your father is exactly who your father exactly is, and he's exactly not who your father's exactly not. And your mother's exactly who she is, and, she, and she's ex exactly not who she's exactly not. And everything is just so. Everything is, that's the way things are. Choose it. Choose it. And choose it. Choose it. How many of you wish you weren't single right now? I imagine some of you. Well, you're in a state of resistance. Just be single. Anyway, it's, it's more appealing to a potential person to marry because you actually look like you're having fun. I mean, who do I want to marry? You know, I want to marry the person who seems to be having a pretty good time. So, so embrace what is fully. I'm not saying you're not going to have a down day. I mean, like, I mean, I'm sure people watching this, you know, on, on the wheel of fortune called money, you know, and, you know, the money's like a wheel, you know, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's, you know, and I'm sure there's people who are, who are not so happy about that right now. And, but that is what is. And so you can resist it. But tell me, what's the likelihood that things you don't want in your life will persist if you resist? I'm going to ask you that. Everyone think about that question. What's the likelihood that things you don't want in your life will likely persist if you resist? Probably a lot. Because you're putting all kinds of energy into what what you'd rather not. And human energy is powerful energy. I mean, think about it. Everything that's ever been made only came because some human being's energy went towards that thing. Like, energy was going towards airplanes. And there were the Wright brothers. And then eventually they got it right. And, and, they, and then there were airplanes. And, like, energy is powerful. And so if you're putting resistant energy into life, well, then you're resisting your life. That's not constantly choosing. So constant number one of mastering free will. It's not simple. I mean, you got to be like, you got to be like Yoda here to do this properly. Yoda's from Star Wars, by the way. You know how many Star Wars movies I saw? I saw one, ditching Hebrew school when I was, I think, eleven, something like that. One of the reasons why, even though I wasn't raised very observant, but I managed to stay pure enough to, to not have too much, too much plaque between me and God in my process of becoming observant was because I never liked media much. I think it's a beautiful art form, but I'd much rather surf. And it was very pure out there. Not a lot of influence out there. Anyway... Um, so that's constant. I think we got that more or less. Let's give a double snap for constant because we're going to give that snap on four. Two hands. Let's see your hands. Wave your hands. Wave those hands. Okay, Persian dance. Screw the light bulb. Screw the light bulb. Get the Persian out. Get that Persian out. Okay, so 
Oh my God, funnest class ever today. You guys are great. I'm a mess. You know? Like so sleep deprived. It's insane. Okay, here we go. So we're gonna snap on four, and then inhale, have, fully embracing everything going on in our lives, everything in this room, the temperature of the room, the seat you're sitting in, the person next to you, me, you. <laughs> like we're gonna embrace it all. Your marital status, your single status, your financial status, your health status. Like every last ounce of reality you're going to choose right now. Similar to eating the red pill little uh, methodology we did earlier, but now we're going for the big, the big sucker. Okay? We're going to just embrace all of life right now. You guys ready? Maybe we should close our eyes again for a moment and just kind of go through it all. But you can just name it all this. Someone say the word this. Say the word this. Because this is eh, all of everything in your life all wrapped into this. Say the word this. One more time. This. Say all of this. is what is. And I embrace it. What needs changing, I will do my best to change. But meanwhile, I'm at peace with what is. Okay, and then we're going to choose all of this. Open up your eyes. And we're going to snap on four and inhale. One, Two, three. The reason I had you open your eyes for this is for this snap is so that because it would include all of this. This is a good anchor for accepting everything else. Because what are you going to change in here? Is someone in here going to like reconfigure the tables right now? Like no. You know, someone who's going to, like, change the, uh, the varnish to something darker. No, that's all going to stay. So since that's all here, so let's let everything else inside of us and our family issues and everything going on, our sibling orders and our... Just embrace it. So that's constant. And that's, that's mastery of free will, to have that down. To be able to really be at peace with what is. That's, how, that's the first step in mastery of free will. And it makes a lot of sense too because as we said before, God's creating the world now and now and now. So like for example, if, if God who's outside of space and time I'm going to ask you two questions. Don't answer the second one quickly. Okay? Past, present, future. Okay? Don't answer this second one quickly. The first one you can answer quickly. God being outside of time, is God aware of past, present, and future? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. No. Remember what I said. Someone always answers quickly. Don't answer quickly. Is God creating right now 
in the past, present, or future? Don't answer quicker. It was a bit of a trick question. I don't notice that I said right now. Is God creating right is God creating the power of God creating reality? Is he creating reality in the past, present, and future? Everyone, please just trust me on like about like 500 great Kabbalists for the last 2,500 years, okay? Just say the word no. (laughs) I'll save you a lot of reading, okay? No, that would be ridiculous for God to be creating right now, yesterday, or a year ago, a thousand years ago. Though he's totally aware of it, though God is all time, he's not actually creating anything in the past, nor nothing of the future. The only thing that God is creating is now. Okay? So just let's say no again. One, two, three. No. He didn't say no. One, two, three. No. Good. Okay? Keep saying no. Is God creating a year ago? No. Is God creating a year from now? No. Is God creating a month ago? No. Is God creating a month from now? No. Is God creating a week ago? Is God creating a week ago? Is God creating a minute ago? Is God creating a minute from now? Is God creating a minute from now? Now listen up. Where is God creating the world? Or since we're talking time, when is God creating the world? Everyone say it. It sounds like no, but with a W. And this is the hot spot. This is the hot spot. And I'll tell you something else. I mean, I hate to speak tough here, but, you know, all you pansy religious Jews <coughs> who, you know, obviously I love and bless you and would go to the end of the world for any of you, but the, but you're, you're a jerk, okay? And the reason you're a jerk is because you've let Judaism become some kind of religion. But if you actually look deep into our sources, you would see that every single Jew, that means you sitting here or listening to this, and if you're one of my dear Gentile students, I believe you should be doing this as well. But if you're a Jew, it's not like you should be. You, you must be. And what is that you must be doing? You must at all times be living in the real-time unfolding of infinite into finite at all times. At all times. Now, can anyone raise their hand and say they're doing that? No. Can I raise my hand and say I'm doing that? No. I mean, I could right now, and I think a lot of you could right now, because we've been kind of building up to this. So, like, yeah, maybe now you're living in real time of the unfolding of infinite into finite, right here and right now, again and again and again and again, in the constant nows, as the future unfolds into it. But that's not just the goal, it's the obligation. Because anything less than that means that you're locked in the matrix down here. You understand? It sounds lofty. But anything less than that means life sucks. And so you might as well have a nice Lexus. You know, something to buy your carton of milk. Something to, somewhere to put your carton of milk when you drive home. from the store with your massive carbon footprint on the planet 
of inane meaninglessness. But if you can ride the wave of the constant unfolding of infinite into finite, you're, you're a spiritual being, period. And therefore, meaning is deep. And, you know, if you got Alexis, enjoy it. But not high on your priority list. Because anything that will get you to the store to buy the carton of milk is perfect. Because even if you're riding some beat-up old bike with a little basket to put the milk in on the handlebar, think about it. You're riding that bike. I mean, imagine yourself now. You're riding that bike through town. And it looks to the naked eye like there's a town and there's time and you were there and now you're here and now you're here and now you're here and now you're here. But you yourself are literally like riding into the unfolding of infinite into finite. None of it even exists. Meaning the view you have of the street down there tricks your mind into thinking it's there, but you're literally riding into there. And there is being created now, not later when you get there. You understand what I'm saying? Because the mind tricks itself into thinking that that's there in some place I'll be in another 30 seconds. No, that's also being created brand new. And so now back to the bike, you're riding into this unfolding of reality at all times. That's cool. And if you live in that place, which is, again, it's not a bonus. It's not even a goal. It's an obligation. And what does that mean? That means whatever part of you is messing, messing with you. You know, whatever's messing you up from being able to stay conscious of that, at least part of your day, you know, at some point. You know, anything that's getting in the way of that should be discarded. That should be discarded. And this isn't big stuff, and no one even has to know you're doing it. You know, I think if you saw me walking down the street, you know, as far as you're concerned, I'm just trying to navigate between people. No one has to know what you're up to. No one has to know you're just, you're like in total awe walking down a street eating an apple. No one has to know this is like the most spiritual thing that's happened ever. And it's actually the only reality of all existence because the only reality of any time of all existence is now. That's the only time. It's funny, like there's kids who grew up in my generation who were like sad they missed the Beatles. But nothing's missed. Like you can't I mean, it's true we didn't get to see the Beatles play, but it's just a mistaken mentality because, because now is so incredibly precious and intense and overwhelming how it flows in. And what's cool about it, too, is nothing really big has to happen because where are you right now? You're in the God experience. This is the God experience. Now, I know if you were sitting on your LL flight and some like, I don't know, some like Christian lady on her prayer trip to Israel was sitting next to you and she's like, she's like, so you're going to Israel. You must be Jewish. And you're like, yeah. And she's like, you're probably going also to have a God experience. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm just studying there. You know, or whatever you'd say. You know, but like, you wouldn't be necessarily so quickly admitting that deep in your heart you're really here for a God experience. 
Like, that's what you're here for. Like, you moved here for that. Like, you probably have other reasons of moving here, and I know free, free medical and free education and, and like a million other benefits of living in a, in a country like this is just, I don't know how everyone doesn't just move here. It's just so easy to do well in this country. I mean, they, they, you gotta be a real bonehead. No offense to all the people who are struggling, obviously. <laughs> but you just gotta be a dork to not make it big in Israel. It's just such a micro society. Not difficult, not difficult at all to navigate doing extremely well financially and like, and like, and them helping you. Like people are like helping you do this and it's Jews, you know, like why do Jews often get the best jobs? Not just because they're IQ, it's because of the networking. And here's an entire country of Jews networking, like people randomly offering to help you up some ladder of some organization, institution, job, like place. And and you're, you're going to give them nothing back. And they don't care. That's just how we've worked for thousands of years. Unless they're from L.A. And L.A. is kind of an anomaly. Now, now the uh, L.A. is the only place that only has nine. L.A. is the only place that has nine personality disorders. The rest of the planet has ten personality disorders. L.A. only has nine. Because in L.A., narcissistic personality disorder is not a disorder. <laughs> it's the norm. <laughs> How can you call it a disorder when everyone has it? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Now, um, I realize I'm only going to do constant today. <laughs> I'm having trouble getting out of constant, but <laughs> I mean the rest of them are really interesting. But constant's a lot more fun. Should I nail them real quick? Yeah, good luck. <laughs> oh my gosh, my motor skills. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. We need no, no. We need the water on the floor. Seriously, we've watered the floor because it'll evaporate and creates a humidifying effect for the room because it's a little dry. Now, <laughs> let's do the rest of them. <laughs> oh my gosh! I thought this class was going to be a real dud when I walked in. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe those of you who never met me before know why I was like walking in trying to figure you all like why are you all so quiet my goodness what's wrong with you people so anyway reevaluation. I don't think I don't think you need like to be a genius to realize that if you can't reevaluate your life you're not exactly mastering free will if you're living off past dictates, you know, previous plans and goals, and, and you're not reevaluating all that, so then, I mean, what kind of free will person are you? You're not. You're not. You're just stuck in some, you know, in some kind of a dictatorship of the past. You know? Now, I'm not saying you got to change your mind, meaning you could stick with what you're doing, but you got to at least reevaluate. 
And that can go with anything, marriage, career. You know, no one's getting divorced over reevaluating their marriage. It's the opposite. They're going to reevaluate it and start to realize, wow, I mean, there's so much more than I realized in this person. And, and it's going to like, make your marriage amazing to reevaluate it. And, and it's going to make your, if you've chosen a career and you're reevaluating it, well, that's also going to make it more amazing. And you'll probably likely stay in the career another couple of years because by reevaluating it, you might notice some kinds of adjustments you need to make because you've been sitting in this same seat for 10 years. And maybe, maybe reevaluating it will, will inform your, your micro decisions in that career towards you know, a, a more viable you know, outcome. And so reevaluation is super important. Got it? Reevaluation? Now, I could go on. There's Do you constantly reevaluate? Very well said, yeah, yeah. You want to constantly reevaluate. I mean, don't make yourself crazy, and if you're OCD, don't try this at all. Reevaluation is something, if you're OCD, to maybe not focus on too much. Yeah. It's like those guys trying to say Shema, and they keep reevaluating whether they said the first word. So they, you see them in shul, these guys, like they want. You see one of, one of these guys? Yeah. You know, he's like, Shema Yisrael. Shema. Shema. <laughs> okay. Um, there, there's more. There's some very important stuff in reevaluation, but we're not going to do that right now. But you got the point. You got to be able to reevaluate your life. And, and by the way, you may make those changes. And I'll show you something amazing. We'll just take a quick poll about making, let's say you are going to actually change careers or change this or change that. Um, raise your hand. You have to think about it for a second, but raise your hand if you ever knew anyone who made a career change later in their life. Okay, she went right up. Okay, put your hands up. I don't want these L brackets. I want a vov. Give me a vov. Now, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up if it was a, one of the best decisions of their life. Everyone's hands are still up. Yet, how many people in the world do you think really should be having a career shift and will not do it out of fear that, it will, that they will regret it for whatever reasons, probably mostly to do with security or who knows what. Yet, I just asked this random group of people who are probably not that random, but, but all of you, unanimous, Everyone who knows someone who had a career shift later in life, it was the best thing they ever did. And so reevaluate. Just, I just want to finish with that. Is reevaluations really great because you're either going to stay with what you're doing, or you're going to, or you're going to trade up. You're not going to trade down. You're going to trade up, or you're going to trade up what you're doing, and that's only going to go good for you. Um, number three is the battleground, and the battleground is the fact that God has put inside of you a dissenting view on goodness. Meaning, you're good. I mean, you are so good, like through and through. You're just good and all you want, I mean, in the end, all you really want is love. But meaning all you want is connection and, and anything that would disrupt connection you would avoid. You know, hopefully, unless you're not doing that, but, but you're basically really, really good. And you being really, really good 
makes life a bit meaningless. And it also makes your career on earth, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use the word career because we've been talking careers, your time on earth a bit meaningless. Unless you have built inside of you a dissenting opinion that goes against good. You have to have a non-good voice inside of you. And that makes the good voice meaningful. I mean, if I don't, if I don't have a voice against good, so good doesn't mean nothing. It's just the whole world's vanilla. If I only have good in my mind, there has to be some kind of against good. And then what do I do in my life? I fight that battle between the good and the not good. And so to be a master of free will is someone who's realizing that they've got to fight that all the time. And it's really everywhere. You probably notice it mostly in laziness. You know, because if you're lazy, you're acting lazy, you know, you're just going to get lethargic and tired and, and you know, you're going to take an elevator instead of the stairs and you're, you're just going to be you're just going to be like a lump on a log. You know? It's, it's going to be terrible for you. And so, and so that's not doing battle. That's giving in. That'd be surrendering, going into that lazy state. And so you've got to realize you're always in a battle. Now, there are people who have visited Jerusalem and noticed that everyone's doing battle, and they didn't like it. They didn't like it. They want to get back to, you know, the golf course or something. They, they didn't like the battle because <coughs> it's a little uptight. It's a little uptight to live your life as if you're on a battle. Well, not as if you're, to live your life on a battlefield. It, it's not that appealing. And so there are people, like you may have been raised observant, so like you know that you're in a battle and your parents made it really clear when you were growing up you know, that there was a Yetzer Tov and a Yetzer Hara, and, and so you knew you were in battlegrounds. But there are a lot of people who, like, they come around the observant community, and they're just, they don't like it very much. They don't like that everyone's a little uptight about doing battle with the, those two voices in their head. And so... What happens in a real battleground, like an army battleground, where like two armies are, you know, they're in trenches and, you know, trying to hide from bullets and firing and hiding and stuff. Can you imagine if one guy, one of the guys, like, I don't know, he has bad short-term memory loss or something, and he, he forgets that he's in a battleground, and he just walks out. How's that going to go? How's it going to So when when people... When people, like for example, the secular people might visit observant communities, like here in Jerusalem, and say, like, too uptight for me to be on a battleground. I'm out of here. I don't want to be on a battleground. Tell me, are they not on a battleground now that they've chosen not to be here? Where they're at is losing. Where they're at is losing. And by the way, I, just to scare you a bit, is, is that you need to build those muscles while you're young. For those of you who think, yeah, I'm just going to party now and like later I'll tighten up the ship. No, you won't. You won't. And, and I've seen it over and over again. Those are muscles that get built when you're young. You build them now, become a man, become a woman, and build those muscles, do the right things. 
And then when you're 40 or 50, you'll do the right things then too. And you should know there's a whole other voices that pop in in your 50s. You know, there's destructive voices that like just ruin everything. And no problem. It was a good sound thing for destructive voices. So you need those muscles built. I remember I was, I was visiting an old folks home where an 85-year-old man who no longer had any use of anything, he had to, you know, he could only have like jello and like liquids and no limbs were moving. You know, I went to visit him and I said to him, you know, we've had plenty of discussions over the years about God. And I was just kind of thinking that, you know, in, in the old days, your argument was you don't want to give up your sports games, you don't want to give up your hot dogs, and you don't want to give up your lobsters, and you don't want to give up the Las Vegas trips of, you know, whatever happens in Vegas days and Vegas trips, and, and you don't want to give up those pleasures. I said, but look at you now. Come on. Like, it's not exactly like, it's not exactly like there's much to lose to go, because he never really had a real, he didn't have any serious philosophical stance against God's existence. It was purely because he wanted to do what he wanted to do. You know, he never, he even told me straight out one time that, that even though I'm always denying God, you should know I don't actually deny God. I just don't want to miss the ball games on Chavez, you know. And he said it straight out once, like one time he had a weak moment and said the truth. But anyway, I said to him, so why not now? Why not now when you have, your body can't even do anything anymore? Like, let's say Shema together, you know, something. And he said, no. He said, no. And I came back to Israel. I was visiting him in L.A. Uh, never mind. Shalom, everybody. Have a great day. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.